When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to the post-Vikings-Bears Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar with Judd Zolgad here. And uh, Judd, let's not bury the lead and talk about them winning. Let's start right at the beginning and talk about the decision to play Sam Bradford. Clearly a big mistake for the Vikings. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Collar, here's the thing. I've been advocating, and I think you were too, Sam Bradford starting in that game. And so I'm not going to backtrack now and say, well, they shouldn't have started him. Here's what I don't get. How many series did it take for you for a common the common sense to kick in and for a coach and a training staff, but especially a coach, to say, we've got to pull him out. He basically can't protect himself. He sure as hell can't move. I mean, when when Bradford uh, was sacked in the end zone for the safety that gave the Bears a 2-0 lead in that game, he held the ball for five-plus seconds, and it was clear he basically had no idea what to do, and he looked completely lost. So I'm not even going to go after him that much for starting him because I think we all, all agree that if it's a pain threshold thing, he probably should start. But get him out of there. I mean, it took them almost the entire first half. They basically forfeited an entire half of football before somebody finally said, we might want to play Case Keenum because he can move. Yeah, you opened up the door to the possibility if the Bears had any offense whatsoever and weren't starting a rookie quarterback to getting upset at Soldier Field because you kept Sam Bradford in too long. And the only points that the Vikings were able to put up with Bradford in the game is when Everson Griffin strip-sacked Mitch Trubisky to set them up for an easy field goal. And even that looked really bad because Bradford uh, got sacked on that drive on a play where he just literally could not move. He had no business being sacked on that play. They lost seven yards because of it and almost... Did they move themselves out? No, no. I'm looking at a different drive. That was um, an eight-yard eight sack that was with like two minutes left where they moved themselves back into worse field goal position because mm-hmm. he was sacked like that, and he couldn't even slide one way or the other 
to throw the ball away or find anybody downfield. Four times he was sacked in the first half. And this offensive line had only given up five sacks through the first four games. So I don't even think it was their fault outside of maybe one of them. It was just the fact that he literally could not move. And it should have been over even before that. Like you're saying, as soon as he got the safety, it probably should have been over because it was so clear that this was not the same Sam Bradford we saw in week one. And they are extremely lucky to have gotten away with this, not only because Keenum performed well, they got some penalty flags that probably shouldn't have gone against the Bears. Oh, there's a lot we could, yeah. The late interception. There's so much that we could talk talk about there. But the thing with Bradford is I just I don't get why you don't take him out quicker. And it made perfect sense to I believe his if I'm not mistaken, his first pass was to Diggs and he sailed it. His second pass was to Thielen and it came in low. And then his third pass I think was to Diggs again and he sailed it. And so the third pass I went back on the T V and I watched it. And as, as he planted on his right leg, he was okay, Tyler. But then when he came to his front leg, which is the knee that's hurt, he had no ability to plant. It didn't look like it. So he was basically trying to sort of tiptoe. He was trying. He was. He couldn't get that leg down to throw. And at that point, you could have really said, you know what, this ain't going to work. But instead, this coaching staff just kept saying, okay, we'll wait and wait and wait. Rule of thumb. When you start a quarterback and the first person that has to go to, to that quarterback when he comes off the field after every series is not the quarterback's coach and not the coordinator and not the head coach, but it's the head athletic trainer, you probably got a problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's what it looked like. Eric Sugarman was over, kneeled down. And also Pat Shermer, don't slap him on the knee that clearly had a brace on it, by the way. Right, you you could see they. It almost looked like they tried to cover it up, but you could see clearly that Bradford had a brace there, and taking him out of the game in the second drive would have been really justifiable. The way that he looked. I mean, on Twitter, I was seeing a lot of fans by the second drive saying, mm-hmm. "This looks awful. You've got to you got to take him out of there." And yeah. I was willing to say, all right, maybe it's a little rust or maybe he'll you know, start to get the thing warmed up and maybe he'll go. But then by the, by the third drive, by the time he takes the safety, it was over. Okay, this is done. And keeping him in almost allowed the Bears to take this game early. But instead, the defense was just so good that we get a first-half score of 3-2. to two. <laughs> and, and, I mean... It, the credit entirely goes to the Vikings defense, though I would say Mitch Trubisky doesn't exactly to me look like he was ready to start much less against a team of this quality. I mean, you want to talk about bad coaching. This was a poster boy for bad coaching. For whatever reason, John Fox scores and can tie the game and doesn't go for two. They start a, a rookie quarterback against one of the best defenses in the NFL against a defensive-minded coach who's had years and years and years of success Uh, you you have to wonder what John Fox was thinking even starting Mitch Trubisky and then the number of other breaks that the Vikings got some they didn't like a strange bounce for a touchdown to Zach Miller but I think that considering that they botched Bradford's return they should feel incredibly lucky and thankful to their defense that they got out of there with a win there's only uh, so many and and this league's not good so don't 
get me wrong here, but there's only probably a handful of teams, maybe a few more, that you could have gotten away with, with some of the stunts the Vikings pulled. And I'm with you. The defense was very good, and I credit them. But that being said, what you did offensively with malpractice, and and it's one thing to start Bradford. It's another thing to leave him in that game. But shame on the National Football League for making this a Monday night game. <laughs> it, it was a Thursday night game. It was a classic Thursday night game. And here's an honest question for you. What was worse, the quality of play in this game or the officiating? Because uh, this this crew was off the charts terrible. I mean, this was that that officiating crew was a complete and utter joke. And both ways, both teams, yes. both oh, yeah. teams were baffled yes. at the end of this game. There was 100%. a there was a holding penalty on Stefan Diggs that made no sense. There was a defensive holding on Trey Wayans that made no sense. I think it was a pretty light call when Terrence Newman's face mask got touched down the field. And then the same thing happened later at Michael Floyd, and there was no call on that one. It was all over the place and some huge breaks for the Vikings, but then the Vikings also took it with some bad penalties that went their way. I mean, not every single call was wrong. There was uh, maybe a holding early in the game. Uh, where Tom Johnson plowed through Cody Whitehair, and it was a clear holding. Yep. And I thought, okay, they got that one. That was a holding. And the rest of the time, it was just confusing what they were looking at out there. And, you know, I guess the refereeing has been better this year. I haven't read too much about people being upset about it. I know they're making some referees full-time or maybe a good chunk of them full-time, so it could be improved. But for a national TV game, like – you, you need a better crew than that because that really messed up the game. I would suggest that uh, as they transition to full-time refs, Jerome Bulger is not one of them. Yeah, yeah and then they couldn't get the clock crew, right or the spot or something uh, that took that forever. Whole, and even that entire, um, game, that entire game was a gong show, Collar. Even, that entire game was a complete and utter gong show, yeah. and they should have mercifully ended the game after one half of football <laughs> and said, everybody go home. If you're this bad at your, if you're all this horse bleep at your job, everybody just go home. I mean, when it's three to two at the end of the first half, none of us are in good shape at that point. Um, but even uh, Sean McDonough and John Gruden, and I know that announcers are probably told like, "Don't be too hard on the refs." No one wants to hear that. But even they were. Uh, Sean McDonough at one point went, come on, let's go. What's happening here? And almost every call, I agreed with Gruden most of the time, uh, Gruden was pretty critical of. So yeah. it, it was one of the ugliest games and just about what you expect when the Vikings go to Soldier Field that it's going to be hideous, only this time they came out with a win. And we don't have to talk about the kicker this week because Kai Forbath made it. Um, yes. But let's talk about the running game, Judd. The running game that was uh, really strong, even without Delvin Cook. 31 carries, 159 yards, 5.1 yards a carry. And we've been waiting for you, Jarek. Nice of you to arrive. I mean, Judd, the whole offseason, I feel like every Purple Podcast we did, at some point I worked in, hey, Jarek could play a big role in this offense. Jarek could make a difference this year. They could use him in different ways. They could get him involved in the passing game. Just watch you, Judd. And uh, through four games, there was none of that, and his game against Detroit was miserable. Tonight, he was the Jarek McKinnon that we all thought he could be. 
Six targets tonight, caught all six passes, thrown his way for 51 yards, which led the team, and uh, also rushed 16 times for 95 yards, including a 58-yard touchdown run, which, to the Vikings' credit, I believe uh, they they hurried up the offense on that touchdown run. The Bears had no clue. I mean, let's let's make this very clear. The Bears, I think, defensively have some talent, but this is a god-awful football team coached by a guy in John Fox who clearly doesn't care about his job now. And I mean, this this is this is the type of game that the Vikings should have gone in and won by 21 at the very least, I think. Uh, but yes, the the run game was good. McKinnon was very good. Um, that's a nice bonus. Uh, but I just I still come back to all of the things in this game, which made my eyes want to bleed. But Jarek McKinnon was not one. He did play well. Uh, Jarek McKinnon played exceptionally well. And you could say that. He was the main reason they won. I mean, Case Keenum, other than the defense, just on the offensive side, the main yeah, reason that the they were. Yeah, played really well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because Keenum completed 17 for 21, but like you said, all of his throws in McKinnon's direction uh, ended up being caught. And his longest catch was only 11 yards, but he averaged eight and a half. So all of his catches were moving forward. And that's kind of how we saw McKinnon fitting in. After this game, I don't want to make an entire determination because, as you mentioned, the Bears aren't that good on defense, and they had yep. no linebackers left. All of their linebackers got hurt. But when you look at the performance of McKinnon versus Latavius Murray, to me, there's no question who is the top back on this team now. And I never saw Latavius Murray as a good fit for outside zone runs. And in this case, it was an outside pitch. McKinnon is a much better fit. He was patient. He waited for the hole to open up, and then he blew through it and took it to the house. I mean, that's exactly how we picture Delvin Cook running this year. And then, but uh, McKinnon, this is what he can do. I think much better than Murray. Yeah, and look, Latavius uh, runs very, very hard, and his inside runs definitely going to get get you. But you know, he's the type of guy who's going to get you if you need six yards. He's probably going to get you four, and if you need two yards, he's go, he's going to get you four. So, I, and I think he's got value. But McKinnon's the guy I think who can be far more explosive. Now, I'm going to say something that people are going to say that it's typical Judd, and you worry too too much. The one thing with McKinnon is I don't know that he needs to initiate the amount of contact that he did tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is going to give himself a concussion, and I'm not kidding. And and with the way the league now you know, takes guys out of games and the concussion pro- protocol and all that, which is fine, but if you watch McKinnon run, he runs in a violent way, which which is okay up to a point. But I swear tonight he led with his head like three times uh, or yeah, four times. Yeah. And it's like, okay, dude. I, you can run as violent as you want, but let's not slam our helmet into the defender. Let's try and spare your head because you eventually are going to run into a point where you're going to get knocked woozy. They're going to take you off the field, and they're not going to let you back very quickly. But, Judd, he was the Gruden grinder for tonight. So if you're going to be the Gruden grinder, hey. then you have to run into things with your head. Hey, cl- close circuit to Gruden. The Sandejo love, can we please get past it? Sandejo is a, a nice player, but one, you can improve at that position. And two, he did tip the ball right to the Bears, I believe, tight end who caught it for a touchdown. Well, that was, not I mean, that's not his fault. He gets a hand on the ball. You don't expect it to flip right I up know. in the guy's hands. I know you don't, but he still jumped to tip that ball up. and he did. I, But it's just Gruden kept talking about him. 
The star of this defense tonight from the safety position is the guy who is the star every time they play games, Harrison Smith. That pick that he made was outstanding. This was a classic Harrison Smith game. He fig- you know, he finishes it off with the interception, but he had a tackle for loss. He had a quarterback hit. He had a couple of pass deflections. He was everywhere for this game. And the more that I watch Harrison Smith, the more I think when they do that top 100 players every year, that he shouldn't just be on the list. He should be, like, way at the top of the list. He is one of the most valuable players in the NFL, and he and Linval Joseph are the centerpieces of this defense. It's got a lot of talent. The edge rushers are amazing. But their dominance over these years is because they have, if not the best, then a top three best safety in the NFL. And this game is won because of how great Harrison Smith was. So, I mean, as long as he is in, you remember that when they had to miss him a little bit, how much worse the defense was when he's in and he makes an impact like he did tonight. It's, I mean, sending out a rookie quarterback against that caliber of player, you saw exactly what happened to Mitch Trubisky, which I'll just, I will never understand sending out Mitch Trubisky against this defense. You are just asking for him to get killed. And he's kind of lucky that he survived it with, uh, with just one sack, but Judd, and I thought, well, go ahead. I, I, I was going to say on Trubisky, I, I think they insulated him a, a little bit more in, in the uh, first half, didn't you think? Because they did have him roll out a lot more, and he yep. actually got out to a, to a decent start. He played pretty well. But, yeah, I mean, when you get into the fourth quarter against a defense like this, it just goes to show you, despite the fact that they're paying Glennon a lot of cash, a lot of guaranteed cash, too, it goes to show you how horse bleep they believe he was. And that's why quarterbacks in this league continue and will always continue to get jobs because you are willing to sign a guy like that, draft Trubisky, and then force Trubisky to play while Mike Lennon is collecting a check and is going to from you for quite some time. Let me run through a couple other things with you, and then I want to get to the long term here, and then we can play our agree or disagree game. Okay. Um, So Michael Floyd plays, gets a catch, a very nice catch, and he's a good player. Uh he showed it in training camp. He stood way out from the other wide receivers. Um, Laquan Treadwell was in the game early, but that was about it. He was not targeted a single time. And from now on, I think the ball goes to you, Michael Floyd, and he can play the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree. Now, here's my question, though. And I asked this question after last week, and I will ask you again. Why, is Treadwell active because he plays special teams? And But they throw him out there. He is a non-factor on offense. When he's out there, he's no threat. If you're a defense, you basically can say, you're not getting the ball, dude. And he doesn't. So yeah, the, the Floyd d- dynamic I like, and I'd like to see him worked in more, and I think he will be, which makes a, a lot more sense. But the Treadwell thing, I just don't get. Because they keep giving him snaps, and they keep giving him reps, and and it's as if, okay, if you're going to do that, is he a viable threat of any sort? And the answer is no, Collar. No, but the only thing that he can do is block. And he's pretty good at that. But, I mean, other than run blocking for a wide receiver, which is a nice asset to have if you're a reasonably good wide receiver otherwise. But if it's yep. the only thing that you do, then you're basically as valuable as David Morgan. And in that case, I would prefer to have someone else. 
but maybe having Floyd might turn out to be very good for the Vikings offense if they have to miss Stephon Diggs. In this game, he was in and out. It looked like he had some sort of groin injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a shot on the sideline of them kind of rubbing down his groin. Very um, uncomfortable. I was, did, I was very uncomfortable with that shot. Did not need that in my life. But uh, Oh, you did not. Neither did I. He ends up with only one catch for four yards. Now, last year, this is what happened with Diggs. He got off to the incredible start. He was being talked about as a top receiver in the league. And then he had an injury that slowed him down and forced him to be kind of a week-to-week sort of thing and miss games periodically. If that's going to be a problem, then I think you do feel a lot better with Michael Floyd, the -hmm. fact that you have him, a proven wide receiver. At At the same time, that's a guy with Delvin Cook out that needs to be a centerpiece of your offense. Yeah, and the, but the Diggs, if Diggs is out now or if Diggs is slowed, that's a big, big deal because this is, I mean, that comes back to the conversation that even Diggs broached in training camp, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I'm really good. I know I'm really good. We all agree he's really good, but he has to stay on the field. And so if, if Floyd's there, yes, that helps. But if you subtract Diggs now again after last year, you have a legitimate concern, and I, I guess in that you, you've got why he dropped it in the draft, because the fact is his ability to stay on the field, it gets called into question again for at least the second consecutive year. Uh, another note that I had, I don't need Tremaine Brock to play on special teams anymore. Two penalties tonight, right? The, the block in the back, what was the other penalty? Yep. I, th- I thought he had two. Well, I, he had I, a missed tackle that was pretty bad. Uh, but you, but but offensively, the the collar film analysis comes to light again. Mike Remmers in pass protection tonight wasn't exactly great. I believe he took what one or two penalties for holding, uh, and this this does this brings to light again what you've talked about, which is your two tackles and especially your right tackle uh, can hold up in in run blocking, but when it comes to pass protection, your right tackle he's not exactly great. No, but I, the one sack was really not his fault, though. I mean, that was entirely on Sam Bradford. I think Mike Remmers can hold up in pass protection. But, you know, you bring that up. But on the other side, Riley Reef was fantastic again tonight. Yeah, he's been very good. And he's been very good this year. I agree with that. If you have average on one side and very good in run blocking, I think yep. Remmers is exceptional as a run blocker. And mm-hmm. then you have your left tackle being totally reliable. You feel pretty good about that still. I, I didn't think that... Especially Rem- compared to last year. Yeah, exactly. I did not think Remmers had a great game, but I thought some of it wasn't entirely his fault. Leonard Floyd is a first-round draft pick, too, and he's pretty good. He had a oh, gra- very he had a, good. He had a great game. I mean, he had quarterback hits. He had four tackles for a loss. He was very good. And also, can the Bears just trade Akeem Hicks to someone where he can play games that matter because Akeem Hicks is a fantastic player and he just blasted Pat Elfline a couple of times in this game. It was really mm-hmm. impressive. And Elfline ends up being a part of that Jarek McKinnon run where you've got the center pulling on a pitch and Elfline, as McKinnon is running, getting up to full speed, Elfline's right there out in front of him, which you never would have seen last year. Even though Berger is a good offensive lineman, he doesn't have that type of athleticism, and that's kind of it's a little bit of the give and take with a rookie that you have with Elfline. Of he brings his spry youth, Judd, and athleticism, but also 
from time to time, he's going to get blown up by a guy who's a nose tackle or a three technique that's just sure. one of the top guys in the league. Yeah, it's a tough spot. I mean, yeah, for for what for what we expected or thought, this line so far, I give him credit. They played well. They played well. All I was trying to do was pat you on the back because you're the guy that brought up the Remmers pass protection, mm-hmm. and and you do see it from time to time dur- during games that if there is a weakness now. Now, if my choice is my left tackle is going to, to hold up and be fine and my right tackle is going to be deficient at times, I'll take that all of the time. But I'm just patting you on the back and saying that you brought that up quite a while ago and it's turned out to be relatively true. Well, thank you, Judd. I appreciate See, that. See, I'm just trying to tell you that you do a good job. Now, going forward, we were hoping to have some sort of answer at the quarterback position after this game. We thought Bradford will come back, we'll see how he looks, and then we'll go from there. Well, he looked really bad. He looked like he couldn't move or play at all. And this is several weeks of Mike Zimmer saying, he's feeling better. He's looking better. He's feeling better. It's pain tolerance. It's just pain tolerance. Which is just a brutal... You guys were talking about this with Mike Morris. It's a brutal thing to say. Because then it makes it sound like the guy's got to tough it out. But if you have so much pain in your knee that you can't land on it, then you can't play in the NFL at that moment. I, I mean, I don't like the phrasing of that, and I don't like any time that Zimmer has suggested guys need to toughen up. I mean, we saw with Sharif Floyd, it was a doctor's mistake that has probably ruined his career. And Zimmer last year was saying, you know, well, I'm tired of dealing with this Floyd thing, and he's got to come back and all this stuff, you know, just taking little jabs at him. And it wasn't even Floyd's fault. And now when you bring up pain tolerance, it kind of comes off that way. Although I will say that Bradford himself said the same thing, that it was just having to deal with the pain. But clearly too much after weeks of dealing with this, Judd, now it really seems like until the bye, this is kind of where I would put my feel for it, because it doesn't, yep. it does not feel like he's coming back on short rest to play against Aaron Rodgers. So nope. now, I guess you got to look forward and say maybe you get that bye week, and then he could possibly come back. Tweets uh, from Chicago say that Bradford a- aggravated the knee when he got tackled. Zimmer did not know if it was on the safety or the uh, the other three sacks he suffered. Zimmer said the Vikings felt confident that Bradford was ready to go. Go quote: We wouldn't have put him on the field if he wasn't healthy enough to play. Uh, I never saw a guy from the start of that game who looked like he was prepared to play. Uh, and I also think, to your point, that Sam Bradford will not return until after the bye now. And don't forget the whole, because this is the Vikings, don't forget that shortly after that, the whole Bridgewater factor is going to be introduced as well. So I don't know where this goes, uh, but I, I am hard-pressed to believe that you're going to see him against Green Bay, Baltimore, or Cleveland in London. And then it's the bye week. Uh, I am guessing that Case Keenum starts those next three games and that the Vikings regroup after the bye and make a decision. But the guy that we saw playing tonight, after what we saw, from the first snap, so I'm not buying this, he got hurt again. From the first snap of that game, we did not see a guy who was, at the very least, mentally prepared to play. I mean, he looked like he was favoring that knee every time he tried to pass. And he did not look like a guy who was comfortable at all being asked to play. He looked like a guy who felt like he had gotten pressure from his head coach to, hey, get out there, tough it out. And he said, okay, I'll try. 
and the result was somebody who didn't look very comfortable at all trying to do what they were being asked to do. The one thing you can feel, I don't want to say great about, because you never feel great if you're in your backup quarterback mode, but the fact that Case Keenum was able to lead them to a win, as ugly as it might have been, and as much as it took a 58-yard touchdown run and an incredible defensive performance, when the Vikings signed Keenum, and then when they had to play him, we had this conversation, well, what is he? He's a guy that can win you a game if you do a lot of other things right. And Mm -hmm. in this case, the Vikings played great defense, not so much on punt throws, but played good defense. They got 159 yards rushing, 22 of which came from Keenum, but they got a good rushing performance, and he did enough to win the game. And that's exactly what you need from your backup quarterback. So if you do have to play him for a couple more games, you won't feel like the season is over now that you're 3-2. and Then it gets really hairy. As you mentioned, we've talked about it a bunch of times, but how quickly Teddy Bridgewater comes back. Another report again this week that Teddy Bridgewater is going to come off the pup list, they're going to activate him, and that he's going to be able to come back to practice. And they can keep him in practice for three weeks before they have to cut somebody else to make the roster spot. There's a little, I don't know, maybe not loophole, but there's a rule that's written in there that allows you to kind of see what the guy looks like after bringing him off the pup list. Now you're going to have Bridgewater back at practice as well. And that opens up the door for the possibility that he ends up playing at some point if this knee injury persists with Sam Bradford and which direction this could go. It wouldn't, nothing would surprise me here, Judd. If Case Keenum was your quarterback for the rest of the year and they went nine and seven on great defense, then I would say, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense with the history of knee injuries for both of those guys. Or if Bradford was your quarterback by week 10, or if Bridgewater was your quarterback by week 10, I think you could see it going any direction. This is, Collar, perhaps in the long line of most Vikings things of all time, it fits in perfectly, right? <laughs> yes. I think that I think Jeff the George one... is going to come out at some point and play quarterback Amen. this year. Exactly. I think the one, I think the long term one thing that we could take from all this is right now, We can all say unequivocally we have no idea who this team's QB is going to be in 2018 because I don't think there is no way, having seen what we've seen this year, and Sam Bradford's twice-surgically repaired left knee being a problem again, there is no way in good conscience that you can sign him to a a long-term contract. You still don't know on Teddy, so you're going to have to find out, but I go back to the point of his knee did blow up, and Keenum is Keenum. So it's just it's you've got you've got on your depth chart right now what you consider to be two starting quarterbacks in Bradford and Bridgewater, but you have no idea what you've got, and it's just so messed up, and it's so so Vikings. Well, I would say this: Case Keenum can sign a couple of year contract to be this team's backup quarterback. After what he's done through these couple of games. You win two, you lose two. I mean, this is exactly how it was drawn this, up. This is who he is. But this th- is who he is, yes. But, but this is as good as you can get for a backup. There aren't other backups that are just floating around that can just come in and win you half of your games. Most of them are really, really bad. And but he can't if, be your but he can't be your starter. No, I mean, no, you no, can't, no. You you can't say, Okay, Sam, we, we don't trust you, so we're, we're gonna 
let you walk, and then, Teddy, either you can't play or we don't trust you, too. And so, Case, you're our guy. So you can bring Case back, and and you know what? It it was a testament to how badly Bradford was hobbled to how bad he played. Yeah. I mean, Case Keenum looked like the superior by a thousand times quarterback. That wasn't because he really is. It's because, one, the Bears aren't good, and, two, it tells you exactly how little Bradford could move. I mean, the man could barely operate. Um. Duck, duck, goose, or duck, duck, gray duck, Judd? Now, why is Minnesota duck, duck, gray duck, and the rest of the world or country is duck, duck, goose? Uh, it's a Norwegian thing. I like it as a celebration. I thought it was oh, very, very creative. creative. Yes. In, and... fact, in fact, I am going to tell you this right now, and I'm not kidding you. I think the most professional play pulled off on the <laughs> field in Chicago at Soldier Field tonight, and I'm not, I'm not joking. The most professional, well orchestrated, well coached, and executed play came with Duck Duck Gray Duck. I had never heard of Duck Duck Gray Duck when until I moved here. I don't think yeah. it's anywhere else in the nation that so there it's the is same this thing, thing as Duck Duck Goose, but we just call it Duck Duck Gray Duck. I don't even remember um, now. I'm sure I played it as a kid. By its execution on the field with some Minnesota natives, but not all, uh, I would say it's exactly the same game. Um, okay, but audibly Kyle Rudolph yelled goose, which could cause him some problems. I think with local Minnesotan fans who are very adamant, as I've discovered on Twitter tonight about so the calling, duck, duck, gray duck. So they're calling it. So the wait, wait, so the fans are calling it duck, duck, gray duck. Correct. But I heard the same thing that you did. So basically Rudolph who triggered it said duck, duck, goose. So it was duck, duck, goose. Yeah. He said duck, duck, goose. Okay. Do you agree? Do you agree that it was the most professional, well-orchestrated <laughs> play performed on no. Soldier Field's I, turf tonight? It was the no, best. it wasn't. The Harrison Smith pick was a great play, but it wasn't orchestrated. It was a bad pass by Trubisky, which Harrison made a great play. I'm saying pre-planned it was the best play tonight on Soldier Field. Fake punt. I'll say the fake punt by the Bears <laughs> was the best play. Okay. It was Touché. perfect. They executed it perfectly. Okay, okay, second best play. How about the best Vikings offensive play? <laughs> well, I mean, the tight, the touchdown to Rudolph was good. And, and you know what? So in my film study for last week, this I'm going to pump myself up for this one. I tried before tonight. You well, I down. appreciate it. Now I'm going to pat myself on the back or just try to direct people toward it because I look at the coach's film every week and then I write something I grab a few screen grabs maybe a few little video clips of just what I see and one of the plays that I picked out was basically the exact same play that they scored the touchdown on tonight they ran it against the Lions against a similar zone defense and it was a bad throw by Keenum but this time it was a good throw by Keenum and Kyle Rudolph ended up with the touchdown I like okay. the, I really like the way that they're using Kyle Rudolph this year. I think it's much more effective than it was last year, even though there was some uh, dump-offs tonight and he actually got yards after the catch occasionally. But working him down the field as they have, I, I think they're doing a much better job. And I criticized mm -hmm. Rudolph a lot last year and through the offseason, but he's been, in my opinion, he's been much more effective, even in the blocking game too, than he was last year 
which might point you toward some of the blocking issues coming from bad offensive linemen as he's trying to help. Um, anyway, all right, before we wrap things up, Judd, agree yes. or disagree, and this could be a very difficult episode for you. Agree okay. or disagree, Sam Bradford will be the Vikings' starting quarterback for seven more games this year. Oh, it's a good thing I got the schedule right in front of me here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, disagree, actually. Okay, so you think it, it's less? I'm, I think it's less because I think he gets – I think his injury lingers. I think it, it very well might come back. And keep in mind, just briefly, we do not know what exactly is wrong. We right. know he's had Correct. surgery twice on that, on that left knee. We know it's been reported as a bone bruise. The Vikings have confirmed nothing. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's wrong, and until we until they come out and tell us, I'm going with chronic problem on surgically repaired knee, which does not lead a nearly 30-year-old quarterback to be able to play a lot of games. Okay. Uh, split for running backs will be Jarek McKinnon from now on 70-30 with Latavius Murray. If he's healthy, agree. All right. Michael Floyd will end up with more than 25 catches this year, and Laquan Treadwell will end up in single digits. Um, agree. You're making Very that, possible. You're making that one easy. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings defense next week against Aaron Rodgers will allow fewer than 24 points. Oh, I love this question. It's a... This is a tough one. Um, they're playing at home. I will say um, this is, that's, a, that's a tough point total. I will say agree only because they're playing at home. If it was at Lambeau, I would say disagree. And Kai Forbath is going to have a big stake tonight. Agree or disagree, Judd? <laughs> he should. You know what? When you're kicking on that turf, which I guess the park board just put in new turf again, that place is a complete joke. He should have two stakes. At Soldier Field, Soldier, how do you, How are Pittsburgh and Chicago and Washington not forced to get some type of decent fielder? I did enjoy when Jarek McKinnon went down once and 80% of the grass was in his helmet. In his helmet. I always love that. And some big, some big fat guard has to come in and peel the stuff off the little running back. Well, Outstanding. Uh, I fear for my own safety looking back at the tape from this week's game, but uh, we will see where the Vikings go from here. At the quarterback position, we will be back uh, Wednesday. I don't know if it's going to be you or Courtney. Courtney's been pretty good lately, Judd, so she's she's I, she's I, got, I she's got the her. hot streak. She's uh, got the momentum. <laughs> it's a momentum. I am told that a podcast momentum is not real. Oh, really? Well, uh, what, what about told, a rhythm? I've been told, Mackie and Wetmore told me that there's no such thing as momentum in podcasts. Well, you know how the running backs say you can get in a rhythm if you get uh, reps. So well, maybe if you she's in a rhythm. Courtney, I think you should go ahead because she's in Chicago and she's around that team a lot more than I am these days. All right, Judd. Well, I will. Uh, whoever is doing it will be back on Wednesday, probably Courtney from Winter Park, and uh, we'll be talking about. All the latest quarterback drama, as if you as Vikings fans have uh, ever heard of quarterback drama before. What a new phenomenon as they face the Packers who have had two quarterbacks in the last 30 years. So anyway, that's where we stand. Vikings win 20-17, to and 
survive in advance for this one, Judd. That's the only way you can really put it. So, God, it was ugly. It so was ugly. it was very ugly. And uh, at least our podcast was full of beauty, though. Oh, yeah, no question about it. As See always. See a collar. Okay, bye. bye. And thank you all for listening.